And and I I just hate Laura a little bit more when I see her room. As a parent, I'm like, clean up your mess. Oh my God! There's an there apple is food on yeah. her bed. On her bed. <laughs> Maniacs. Episode 52. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You doing okay? Welcome to Midsummer Maniacs. Yes. A recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week we dig into the episode, the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything we else we love, including tits up a tree. <laughs> we saw that... Um uh, awesome thing on Facebook this week that they're they've got a contest going to give away Midsummer Murders tea towels. Yes, which put me on the hunt for um, the tea tray because I've wanted that Midsummer Murders tea tray for a long time, and Acorn used to sell it, and now they don't have it anymore. Yeah, apparently the people who have it are not reselling it because it is not on eBay. Mm. Like no. So I, I have a question. My tea tray, you may not have it. I have a question for you. Do you yeah. think we should enter said contest? I don't know. I'll think about it. I kind of feel we should leave it to other people. Yeah, I think. We I don't think we're. Of, I don't think we're ringers. No, but I think we're kind of. I don't know, semi pro. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I'd rather some old lady win it who filmed Absolutely. it with her phone and, you know, learned yeah. a new skill. Yeah. Anyway. I don't need to win any video contests. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I would like the Plus details. the effects would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we could do like a deep fake of Barnaby, you know, <laughs> on your face or something. What uh, we just for a warning. Speaking of tits. Oh, if your kids can handle the show, they can handle the podcast. This is a 14-plus episode. I noticed that. I think it's because they say tits so much, and they everybody's s- having sex with the same person. They say tits, and then there's another thing. He's, he says bitch, or doesn't he say something like that? He says screw you. Something like that, yeah. Well, screw you. Yeah. Right? He does, it's not very effective, but yeah. Yeah. We're talking, of course, about Dance with the Dead, which is the episode we're going to cover. But first, we have to say... We were gone for two weeks, and we got all these welcome back oh, messages as if we'd so been gone for two years. Nice. Everybody's so great. And, man, you guys are coming through. We asked, you know, if you were interested in maybe having some swag. It would be fun to have some inside jokes. And a few of you have gone all out with some ideas. They Jody has awesome. gone out. <laughs> Jody sent us artwork. Yeah. I mean, it's just a sketch, but clearly Jody sat and thought about it for a bit. Drew it out, yep. took a picture, sent it in. It's like, what, six ideas? And they're all epic. Now, Jody's at home right now listening to us. Yeah. Going, don't say the thing I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I'm going to say is I'm putting that picture in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. And Jody should be proud of it. Jody and should be proud of it. The rest of you should be inspired. Because yes. Jody doesn't have like big graphic design skills and yet came up with some great ideas that I can use. Jody reminds us in the email that she does not have graphic design skills. Don't need to. It's the ideas that are great. Uh, and her husband helped. They hey, brainstormed together. That's a fun so thing to do. That's absolutely excellent. Okay. She says she's now obsessed with signage too. 
It's hard not to be. And we discovered another awesome thing that a listener did this week. Yes. As you guys know, we have the, wow, that sounds like a horrible movie, but Mark's seen it segment. And one of you listeners has put together a list of movies that have been mentioned in the podcast. Yes, which a we listener, will also link to. A listener on Twitter, and I'll also put that in the show notes. It's awesome. I uh, didn't realize we had mentioned so many horrible movies. Yes. We may have to have like a, a horrible movie watch-a-thon or something. Something. <laughs> of course, your mind would be pure butter by the time you watch that many bad oh, movies wow. in a row. We almost watched The Changeling last night. <laughs> we did. The George C. George C. Scott version. Yeah. yeah. All right. Are you ready to talk about Dance with the Dead? Oh, I am. You ready I, to first tango? Of, first of all, it's not Dead Can Dance. No. The 80s kind of gothy band that no. I played at nightclubs. I played songs from. Because, boy, I typed out Dead Can Dance easily 100 times <laughs> when writing my show notes and titles and stuff like it's that. Congo with corpses. Yes. Dancing Fil- with the Dead. Filmed in uh, May and June 2006. Broadcast the 12th of November, which is interesting because it's it's like Remembrance Day episode. Mm-hmm. Right after Remembrance Day, which is the 11th of November, 2006, 7.8 million views. Peter Smith and Peter J. Hammond wrote it, and Peter Smith directed it. It takes place in Morton Fendel, and yes, we have an aptly named pub. The Airman. The Airman. The Airman exists. It does? Yeah. It's it's a very nice sign. I like the sign. Yeah. There's even a 3D model of it on Sketchfab, if you want to print out a version of it. The sign or the pub? The pub. Okay. <laughs> Just saying. It's up there. It's a free 3D model if you want to download it. If you're like into miniature painting or something, you can have your own airman pub. I guess. I, I'm just going to say right off the top. That there is a lot to love in this episode, but the overall plot of it makes me feel gross. Yeah. So I'm just going to put it in a box and enjoy all of the rest of it that I yes. like so much. I don't have an issue with the love relationships. I have an issue with so many people falling for somebody and ruining their lives for somebody who is not worth it even remotely. Like, it's not even redeeming in any way. I also have a problem with the age of said person. Yeah. Laura Sharp seems barely old enough to drink, and everybody who's head over heels for her is at least twice her age. Maybe not Carol, but everybody else. And it just creeps me out that she's so manipulative yeah. and so young. And, bleh, okay, I got it out of my system. I'm letting it go now. Yep. Okay. Excellent. We have an airfield. Yes. Cooper's Cross. Cooper's Cross. For, uh, actually, hold on. <laughs> we have this in the cold open. Dance hall music. Never a good sign. No, not w, in the midsummer. World War II abandoned hangers. Never, Never a, a good, good sign. sign. <laughs> <laughs> Young lovers. Never a good sign. No, no. So we knew something was up right away. That's three midsummer tropes right, right in a row. Right off the bat, yeah. And... Seeing Rosemary out there putting the the clothes out, you know, and the the thermos and the sandwiches, like, that's what I always remember about this episode, is her out there in the dark, neatly laying those things out because she wants her brother to come back. I am so so sad. I'm so torn by Rosemary because it is so sad. She really doesn't hurt anybody by doing it, but I'm also like, she needs to move on. 
I think she's a little far gone for that. I think so. She could have moved on about 40 years ago. Yes. So so we're we're there into doing this for 60 years. Did you recognize her? No. She also plays, um, it's uh, Georgine Anderson. She was Madge Fielding in Blue Herrings. She was the first death in Blue Herrings, the lady who gets scared and drops her purse. Yes. Yeah. That's right. That's her. Well, it looks like we, we have a suicide here. Yeah. Uh, a line from the tailpipe into the into the car, but there's only one person in the car, not two. Well, we see two sleeping, and the, they look like they're asleep in the back. Yeah. But then when they find the body, it's just Simon. Yep, it's just Simon. Do you know what kind of car that is? It's a it's a a Humbler. Humber. Humber. That is a Humber Super Snipe. That's a good name for a car. I I think it's a strange name for a car. Why you would call it a Snipe? Well, I think of snipe, I think, you know, like, don't snipe at me, but it's a super snipe. But they also made this, um, this awesome other model based on the same body, um, for the war. So the the Humbers, the super snipe anyway, was, it started production right before World War II. And then during World War II, they turned the, the frame and the chassis into a military vehicle called the Humber Light Reconnaissance Car. Ooh. And it looks like a tank on wheels. Oh, sweet. It's like That's... if you took all the curves off of it and just blocked it out and made it like, if you build it in Minecraft, it would be like that car in Minecraft. Does Simon's dad have one? Because he has every other weapon known. He does. <laughs> but those, the Humber Super Snipe was a really popular car. Because it was kind of inexpensive, and it could go almost 80 miles an hour. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Woo. That's pretty fast. I'd drive one of those babies. Not the reconnaissance car. And we have a movie star on this show. Famous movie star. Famous American music. Oh, no. It's not Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> I don't know why you think she looks like She her. looks exactly like Gwyneth. Felicity Gwyneth. Dean does not look like Gwyneth Paltrow. I, They're my, both slim and blonde. My notes for her are... BGW, British Gwyneth Paltrow, <laughs> BGP. Well, so Felicity, I'm sorry, Francis. Her name, her character's name is Francis. Her the actor's name is Felicity. The actor um, was also Tara Cavendish in Dead Man's Eleven. Yes, I did. So know, you recognize her? Did anyway, recognize that. When Francis takes her little jog around the village, she's like our tour guide. Yes. Right? She's like, here's Morton Fendel. Oh, no. So what are the important parts of Morton Fendel to you? I have two. I also have two. Okay. One is that the restaurant has a table de haute menu. Yes. That was not one of mine. Uh, that can be two courses or three. Okay. Though I think it's a ripoff because you get two courses for $9.99. Okay. And three courses for $15.99. That is a bit of a ripoff. That third course is a premium price. Yeah, it is. It should be four, five, well, five bucks, right? Yeah. It's more than five bucks. Anyway, and the George Hotel. Okay. Did you try to find the George Hotel, by the way? I did not try to find the George Hotel. Be glad you didn't, because there are over 65 hotels in the UK <laughs> called the George Hotel. <laughs> With uh, wagons out front? No, that's, a wa- that's not a wagon, sorry. It's that's a, carriage. a carriage. We're in England. <laughs> yeah, it's a carriage. But the George is maybe the second most popular name for a pub in England. Yes. <laughs> yes, I noticed those things, but my two things are different. What were your two things? One is the first appearance of a lemonade stand in Midsummer. Oh, it's a stall. Well, still. Yes. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. To say... Um, there are children in town. <laughs> to say in November, we have lemonade. I guess. <laughs> 
And then, according to my notes, she runs past the worst house in the existence of ever with all of its wisteria and bloom. I wasn't going to mention that because in my notes, it's all just curse words and then wisteria. (laughs) (laughs) We should post a picture of our wisteria so people can appreciate just how evil ours is. Didn't bloom again this year. Of course not. Of course not. It had blossoms on it. Did they bloom? It had black rot dripping out of it, and it's still... It won't die. It won't die, and it won't bloom. It hates us. But did you notice whose cottage that was? No. Christina's cottage. Christina? Who's Christina? I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> well, I hate her. Well, <laughs> I thought it was Carol's cottage, because I heard Carol's name mm-hmm. later. But then Carol's cottage is the cottage. Oh, it's the definitive cottage. We'll we'll get to that. Is it the platonic cottage? The platonic cottage. There's also a Lynchgate cottage. Where? Whose house is that? I don't know who lives in it, but when um, Tom talks to, I call him Dick Bud. His name's Richard Bud, (laughs) the postmaster. There in front of a sign that says Lynchgate Cottage, Uh, which is a great name. It must be out in front of the church. And there's a parish hall, of course, because if you're going to get in trouble in midsummer, you must have some kind of hobby. And the hobbies that conflict with each other. Yes. So the the hobbies that conflict here are Elaine Trim's School of Dancing. Mm -hmm. Now, she offers ballroom, live, jive, sorry, ballroom, Latin, jive, and salsa classes. Classes are for all ages from children to senior level. What is jive dancing? Don't know. Call Elaine for more information. There's a number. Maybe we should call it. Ask her what jive dancing is. Jive dancing. Jive dancing. My next note is, oh, it's a redhead with lots of cleavage. Tom's in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) No, because um, if there's any cleavage in this episode, it's Joyce. What is up with Joyce? (laughs) We should... We should not jump around like this. We'll make people crazy. No. And so the conflict is the dancing school and the short mat bowling. Yes. Because Eric Usher is uptight about his short mat bowling. So what is short mat bowling? It's like bowls, but inside. Okay. And it's played on a mat called a rink mat. Mm. That's 45 feet long. I almost thought, hey, I wonder if we could do uh, short mat bowling in our den. But it's not quite big enough. It's not quite big enough? <laughs> might fit in our bedroom. <laughs> Though our bedroom carpet might look like a rink mat for short mat bowling, it is not big enough. No. It's not quite big enough. <laughs> there is an English inter-county championship. Okay. Uh, Sir Francis Drake was a well-known bowler. Oh, not short mat, but bowling. Okay. Lawn bowling. And uh, Bowling Green, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And the many other Bowling Greens in the U.S. Yeah, there's a Bowling Green, Kentucky, too. They're named Bowling Green because when the um, the Brits came over, well, I shouldn't just say the Brits. It was actually it, a lot of Scottish people, too. Um, but when they came over, they established bowls pitches in a lot of places. The colonists did, and the settlers did, and those places are called Bowling Green. A lot of them are now called Bowling Green. Oh, yeah, and okay. that's why. Huh. First Bowling Green was found uh, has been dated back to 1299 AD. Wow! So people have been throwing rocks at other rocks for a long time. Wow! But they're, none as quietly as Eric's crew, because they are silent. They're very silent, and they don't like dancing. No. <laughs> Because the dancers are late. 12 minutes. Well, she does lock the door. I think that's a bit rude. 
It is a bit rude. If you're going to share a space like that, you got to get out when it's time to get out. I'm not going to agree with Eric on many things, but I'm going to agree on Eric with Eric on this one. I agree. When your time is up, your time is up. That's right. Really? Probably a little bit before your time is up, you should be done and out of the way. Because the bowlers need time to set up. That's right. Yep. 12 to 2. And the dancers don't have anything to not set up, though they have the cake and the drinks. (laughs) Sponge. Oh my gosh. The I, giant tea urn? That that kitchen room. Did take you back to the Women's Institute or oh, church? Both. As a kid. Both. Yeah. Because the Women's Institute met at the parish hall. Ah, so, so you had the big tea urn? Oh yeah. Did you guys have one of those mega giant teapots? Oh yeah. That was the biggest teapot I've ever seen. Yep. yep. The, the whole layout, the white cabinets, just It every, would take two little old ladies to carry that teapot. I was, I could smell it. Especially that cake that has the white frosting and the cherries on top. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you were right there, huh? I was absolutely right there. But, you know, luckily, Tony's walking by and has a chance to hit on Carol. <sighs> Tony. So Tony is... Tony, Tony Kirby. doesn't die quickly enough. <laughs> Tony Kirby is British Gwyneth Paltrow's husband. He needs to die in the first five minutes, and he lingers until like 40 minutes in. He is way too busy eating scenery. That is Jeez. all he does. Now, this actor, Danny Webb, uh, appears in another Midsummer later on. He plays the guy who runs the ghost tours. Yeah. He's, he's a, a good actor. He's, he's a fantastic. really good actor. I mean, he, he makes is. you hate him so he, much. He instantaneously, yes. he makes you hate he's him. He's so weaselly and skeezy and lecherous and... Just, <laughs> just eating scenery all over the place. I was just grateful that Carol like shuts the door in his face. I'm like, please don't let him in. Please don't let him in. And uh, and he's a drunk driver all over the place. Oh, Never he's mind. No, like the whole he, village when knows he, goes he cheats Carol, on his wife. When he goes to Carol's house, I have a note that says, "Is there a sexual assault in this episode?" Because boy, it looks like there's about to be one. Shut the door. Shut the door. Shut the door. <laughs> Francis is still running around and runs by the hangar. Yes. I don't really understand how there's all this fencing at one end of the hangar area. And then the other end of the area seems to be wide open because it's a shortcut that you can take your car through. Well, there is a road that runs along it, but it seems like it's not a main road. It it looks like maybe one and a half lanes. There's a gate, an open gap in the big fence. And it looks like one whole side was made for vehicles to come in and out. And what what I'm kind of stumped by... um, Cooper's Cross is that it's an airfield and yet it seems to be surrounded by trees. Well, I don't know where the open airfield area is. It may be adjacent to it. I don't know. I did have the same thought. And then I was like, perhaps trees grow in 60 years. So true. That's, that's where I got logically (laughs) (laughs) because I thought the exact same thing. Nobody's maintaining it. So in 60 years, you've got full grown trees. What do you know? What do you know? (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) Why would you run through there? Oh, I don't know. It's interesting to look at. I guess. So she finds the humble Humber, sorry, Humber and uh, the body, Simon's body in it. Yeah. And of course, 
calls the police. This is Simon Bright. And then Tom comes and touches everything. Touches everything. He touches the CD player with all the great CDs. The car door handle. Those great WW2 songs, songs of World War II and World War II something. Why would those two want to listen to that? I don't understand the love of World War II. Okay. I do of people who are old enough maybe to have been children during the war or who had, you know, parents or siblings who were in the war. I don't understand Simon and Laura being interested in World War II music. It is absolutely a coming together and a celebration of what the British people can do. I completely understand Yes. I absolutely do. It was also horrid. But if you didn't live through it, you don't know that side of it. You don't know the fear of the Blitz and the rationing and how hungry people were and how afraid they were. You can romanticize it. We have weird romanticizing of it all over the place. Like Simon's dad buying all the stuff. There's always that guy in that town who who does that. Who like collects everything. But you know, there's a business in that too. Yeah. I think when you see the guys come and um, load that vehicle onto that big trailer, it's because he's selling it. Yeah, I think so. Not because they're like reclaiming it or something. If just as a side note, if you are curious about what it was like, especially in London during World War II, Tony Robinson did this awesome mini series called The Blitz, where they actually build a street of, of, um, row houses. Row houses, and they set off bombs equal to those dropped during the Blitz to show what they did to the houses. And it is incredible so that people survived any of it's it. It's two things. One, incredible destruction. And two, it does a very good job of showing you the randomness of that destruction yeah. in the sense that there's this milk bottle that t- Tony becomes obsessed with. Because it makes it through like three rounds of bombing on the curb. Yeah. But the building beside it is completely destroyed. Just gone. But a glass bottle is just sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a a really good miniseries. I think we watched it on YouTube. Yeah, I think so. Um, But yeah, anyway, there is a ton of romanticism of the war. But I just don't don't know why Simon and Laura would have been into it. But, you know, maybe he got it from his dad. His dad is clearly, you know, a military, uh, you know, collector and... A historian, and he's got the old car, and so maybe that's his thing. You know what I've become obsessed with at Simon's dad's house? Hmm. The nameless tank mechanic in the background. Who just hangs his head and shakes it. Just hangs his head and shakes it. I just called him Mr. Coveralls. And there's some horrible ADR there. Yeah. It's like... Something loud was going on. It's something loud or this something. This is when they have to add the, the dialogue back in the audio because the take of the audio wasn't good on set. So what happens is the editors go, we need to re-record this piece of audio. So Jones and Barnaby would go into a studio and recreate the audio watching that. Right, probably. they talk over their video. But the levels are all wrong. And so Jones sounds like he's the voice of God. So... Francis goes home. Yes. And then Tony comes home. Yes. And she's clearly upset. And now we see just how gross he is. Oh, he is horrendously gross. The delight in his eyes when he hears that somebody is dead. I'm an expert on bodies. Ew. (laughs) Yuck, yuck. 
the the delight in his eye, he's such a good actor the the delight in his eyes when he's standing opposite Tom and Jones at the scene at the airfield and he's like trying to look over their shoulders he's a little short so you know he's like trying to peer he looks so excited does he know it's Laura at that point in time possibly no because uh, Francis has already told him that it was Simon oh, that's that it was right. a boy okay because I was kind of additionally grossed out that he was thinking of seeing somebody who he had had a fling with. Yeah. Again, way too young for him. Oh, gosh. So, so young. Yes. And then we're off to the pub, the airman. Yes. Right? And we've got Jim Druce, who's the barman. God, he looks like Douglas Adams. He does. You picked that up too? Yes. Yeah. He looks so much like Douglas Adams. I was like, that's Douglas Adams. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, Richard Budd at the post office, who's so worried about Francis. Hold on. At At the pub, we have some stuff. Okay. We have a brochure. Yes. The Cooper's Cross story, a midsummer, a history of a midsummer airfield. Why does Tom ask how much it is when it says right on the holder no, no, how much it is? No, he says how much the DVD is because oh. he buys the DVD. So he can watch it. Or they give it to him. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and then a DVD called Wartime Airfields, The History of Cooper's Cross. That That's not Wartime Airfields. That's Wartime Airfield. <laughs> no, it is a quintessential airfield, Mark. Well... It has no price on it, so that's why Tom asks how much it gotcha. is. Gotcha. I thought he was asking about the brochure. Nope. Nope. Again, if you're in possession of any of these things, please send them to us. <laughs> or pictures or something. Yeah, yes. Something. So Jim doesn't have very positive things to say about Laura, who's missing, right? Yep. Everybody thinks she must have been involved somehow. She was Simon's girlfriend, though she was a girlfriend of half the village. Um, so everybody's looking for her. And she is the lodger of Carol. Carol Prentice. Okay, before that, they go see... Who did they go before to see that? They see Richard. Yes, at the post office. Okay, yes. He's cleaning up crumbs. Yeah. Why? I don't know. It, it freaked me out that he was cleaning up crumbs. Post office in the UK do a little bit of everything. He might have been eating his sandwich, eating his been. lunch at the counter, or... You know, who knows? Okay, sorry. Now off to Carol Prentice's yes. or the house of Lesbos. <laughs> and and I, I just hate Laura a little bit more when I see her room. As a parent, I'm like, clean up your mess. Oh, my God. There's an there apple. There is food. On yeah. her bed. On her bed. <laughs> like, Kick this girl out of your house until she cleans that room. <laughs> it's just like... She's behind on her rent, and she's a slob. I just have a note that says, oh, my God, her room. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for some posters or something interesting, because I had to look at the room with her underwear all over the place. Just bras. No, but Lots who, of bras. But who does... Like, who just... Nobody okay. I know. Oh, not it, even our kids are that messy. It's staged messy too. Yeah, it's, it's not real messy. But they it should is. have made that mess and then let a teenage girl go in there and go for like twenty minutes, <laughs> and then it would have been real messy. 
It's un- Food on the bed. It's unacceptable. <laughs> unacceptable. And we get our first big clue, which is that Carol has Laura's picture on her bedside table. Right on the bedside. And there's something written on the back of this picture With that love. they spend... Oh, four and a half hours before they turn it over. They show it to us. Yeah. But before they turn it over is like every time they show the picture, I'm like, turn it over, turn it over, turn it over, turn it over. <laughs> Look at the back. Look at the back. So Carol has her picture on her bedside. Yes. I've never had lodgers, but I know if I did, I would not have their pictures on my bedside. No, that's not where you keep it. It kind of gives it away. Sort of like food. It's, it's not it where you keep it. No, no. And Tom notices that right away. He's yeah, not stupid, he's right? he's not stupid. When he's she goes got... to get it, he's like, huh, that's where it was. Okay. That's where it was. So we go back to Cooper's Cross, okay? And I'm going to come back to this well, and a couple of times. Before we leave Carol's, okay. we also discover... Another bad thing about Laura, which is she has two jobs and yet she's collecting unemployment. Yes. So she's double skeezy. She's, uh, what do they call it? They call it gyro. Gyro. Yeah. So she's, she's lying to the government. Yeah. And And her other job is at a kennel. And I I hate that. Richard doesn't turn her in. Everybody is like, oh, well, she's so nice. No, she's not. She's just a little slip of a thing. We have no evidence that she's actually nice to anybody. None. Except, well, Simon. She gives him some kissing, but... But she's a user. She uses everybody. She takes advantage of everybody. Yep. Hi. I just wondered if I could borrow some money. No. (laughs) No, 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 no. Okay. So the thing I want to talk about Cooper's Cross is this. Mm Mm-hmm. First of all, there are a number of cops and Sako guys there. Yes. Like a large number. Yes. And they spend this entire episode doing the following. Mm-hmm. Go out, investigate, tape off, clean up, tape down. Mm-hmm. Go out, investigate, tape <laughs> up, investigate, tape down, go home. What's next? Go out. <laughs> They go to the same place three times. I didn't notice that. They have to build it all up and tear it all down every single time. If if I had gotten a call at the mid at the Costa Nick to go out to that damn airfield again, I would have been like, no. <laughs> I don't care who's dead. They can all die there for all I care. We're just gonna stay there. <laughs> <laughs> just tape the whole place off. Nuke it from space. The only way to be sure. It's like the church that sets people on fire. Yes. <laughs> like, don't go in there anymore, okay? Yes. Rosemary made the cake with real eggs. Oh, such a perfect yes. wartime detail. Yes. It Just tells you what era her mind so is in. much excellent. Her mind writing. is in 1945. Yeah. That's where she lives. Laura is a mooch. Cully's not a mooch. No. Because she offers to pay Joyce for the dry cleaning. Why is Joyce doing Cully's dry... Well, okay. Cully... Joyce is not doing the dry cleaning. No. But she is taking the dry cleaning... And bringing it home. And bringing it home. And telling Cully that it's ready. And so I got all on my high horse about this. And then I was like, oh, hold on. I got to stop taking notes because I got to take the kids to this place and do this other thing. (laughs) 
So <laughs> I got kind of knocked down off my high Did horse. Did they offer there. to pay for gas or anything? No. No, of course not. <laughs> so then we, so we know Cully's in this episode now. Yes. I don't know why. She's a, I don't know why they're watching the video on the world's smallest Hang on the dining room table. On the dining room table. But it's Ben's a, like, can you get me out of here, please? Help me. <laughs> but it's the perfect, you know, Tom Dad History Channel, you know, moment. And I remember my dad watching the History Channel all the time. We, we just called it the Hitler Channel because it was always World War II documentaries or something. Yep. And... We'd be like, Dad, can we watch something that happened like in the last 50 years, please? So, so I went through this whole thing. I, I did, too. And I was like, what is it going to be that I watch? Because I don't have World War II. Right. And I came to this horrible realization. It, it hurt me to the core that in 40 years, if I'm still alive, I'll be watching the COVID channel. Yeah. <laughs> You will be. Oh, my God. But I got news for you. We already do it. Oh, I know. Have you not seen the kids' eyes roll when they walk into the room and we're watching Time Team? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it is a hard roll. Or we're watching some Lucy Worsley thing about, you know, yeah. Queen of England. They're like, oh, God, yeah. here we yeah, go. Yeah. yeah. Some British thing. Some guy digging a hole. I, I still remember Jack going... I did really well in my world history class because I'd remembered a whole bunch of stuff from the stupid shows you watched. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, good, oh, excellent. <laughs> Tony's drunk. Oh no, we got the post office. No, no, no. Tony's drunk. Tony's drunk. Yes. Speaking of tits. Jeez. Oh, tits in a tree. First of all, all of the people in the pub. Are all the same people in every pub shop. Mm-hmm. Now, I realize it's a small town and they all probably go there, but every night they go there. <laughs> every afternoon, every night. Especially judgy looking woman. Can you fault her? Not at all. For being judgy looking? <laughs> no. I would be judgy looking too. No. But Tony does like... I think I'd move if I lived in a village with Tony. Yeah. Danny does such a great job, Danny Webb, of being a drunk person. Too, he comes off completely obnoxious. As if I've seen real drunk people be like that. Yeah. He's so full of himself that when he's drunk, he's just more full of himself. Yeah. Right? He's just exaggerated. And so I needed to know if that could actually happen. Could a pair of tits actually be hanging from a tree oh your google search <laughs> i know i know so the idea is that tony was a crash investigator an airline crash and at some airline crash at some point in his life he had seen bits of bodies everywhere at the crash mm-hmm. including a set of woman's breasts hanging from a tree mm-hmm. so a woman's torso Hanging from a tree. Mm-hmm. I wish I hadn't been curious about it. I'm a little worried now. <laughs> um, but I will share my findings so that no one else has to do the Excellent. Google searching that Excellent. I You're did. the brave one. Uh, I'm a little shocked. Okay. I'm a little scarred. Okay. By what I found. I can confirm that it is not possible uh, to rip the breasts off a woman as a pair. Okay. 
There's no point in them being attached. They would not be attached to one another. Yes. I'm not going to tell you how I know that. (laughs) I can tell you that it's not uncommon for victims in a plane crash to be found nude. Okay. Why is that? Because the, depending on how the crash is caused, if it's caused by a rupture in the fuselage and they're high enough up, the winds can be shearing and they can literally rip your clothes off. Oh, okay. So it's not uncommon to find bodies separate from clothing fragments. That's pretty common. Okay. That makes sense. I can also tell you the horrifying fact that in a few cases of very bad air crashes, bodies have been turned inside out. Whoa. Okay. So you can get turned inside out, but you can't get your tips stripped off and put in a tree. That's good news, right? Happiness on Midsummer Maniacs. (laughs) (laughs) No, the good thing is, is that if your tits do get ripped off, they'll be separate. And they'll be inside. Or inside. Yes. Yes. But more than likely, separate. Okay. Now you know. Now we know. And I can go bleach my brain. The next scene at the post office, I saw something that made me go, what? Is this the scene where Richard pretends he doesn't know who Rosemary is? Yes. Okay. What did you see? I saw a poster that we have seen in at least two other Midsummer episodes advertising salsa dancing at another pub. Oh, wait a minute. Elaine's got a competitor? Elaine has a competitor. Richard is advertising for a competitor? And the sign in the post office is bigger than Elaine's sign. You could see Elaine's sign in the background. They just reused the poster and thought, oh, well, we'll just see salsa dancing and assume it's, uh, it's Elaine's. It is not Elaine's. Richard, he's a bad friend. They just were like, oh, well, we got some of those old salsa posters in the back. Let's put those on, too. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was for a Midsummer Night's Dream. No. Because <laughs> that was a poster that, that was, was in was another poster. Episodes. No, no, no. Direct competitor of Elaine. Oh, shame, Richard. Yeah. Richard and Francis, I think, at first you think Richard is hitting on Francis and won't take no for an answer. They certainly imply it. But... As the episode goes on, my opinion of that changed. I feel like Richard is actually a good friend. He may not be the most socially apt person, but he actually cares for her. And I don't think he's hitting on her. I think if they went on having picnics and living in separate houses. He'd be very happy. He would be very happy. I don't think he's gay. I think he does love her, but I think he knows that it's just not going to happen like that. And he cares enough to want her to be happy. And he he cares so deeply mm-hmm. about her. You know, something's going to have to be done yeah. about Tony. Something. I was like, yeah, do it now. I'm tired of him. Okay. Now, a couple of questions. Does Marissa run a veterinary clinic? Or does she run a dog hovel? Or does, <laughs> like, what does it's she? It's a kennel. It's a kennel. So she cares for people's dogs when they're away. Okay. Because I keep calling her the lesbian vet, but she's not a vet. No. Okay. She runs a kennel. She is a striking woman. Handsome. Is that how you would... I'm not even going to say handsome. She's striking all right. She's got a strange face. Let's just say it. Okay. She's a good actress with a strange face. Good actress with a strange face. Mostly because it ends in ears. 
Can't trust her an inch. Laura. Yeah. Yeah, because she's ripping off the government. She begs money off of people. She lies. She cheats. She steals. But she's just a little wisp of a thing. Yeah. No! Even Marissa has wisteria growing in her damn kennel. Everybody has wisteria. And flowering. Everybody. Mm. I'm surprised there isn't flowering wisteria at Cooper's Cross. (laughs) I'm surprised it doesn't just spring up out of the ground and flower spontaneously wherever Rosemary walks. Look, wisteria. It's just to make me bitter. And then we get to go to Eric's house. Yes. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, Mark's going to be on these scenes for at least three hours. Because Eric's got cameras. Okay. And projectors. The first note I have is, oh my God, am I the creepy man from Midsummer? <laughs> <laughs> because you also have a collection of cameras? Oh, he has more than cameras. Okay. He has a magic lantern. Yes. Do I have a magic lantern? Yes. He has uh, books about filmmaking and filming and photography. Do I have books about those things? Yes. He has a film projector. Yes, several. I, I may have five in this room. Yes. Yes. He has a bunch of weird and unique cameras, including a brownie. Yes. Yeah, I, I have all. Isn't the brownie? Isn't doesn't he have a brownie around his neck? That yes, in that scene that when he gets one home. Time. Yeah, yeah, he has a brownie around his neck. If I had have seen. Some of the unique cameras I have. I have a collection of weird cameras, including one that takes stereograms. Mm-hmm. If I had seen the stereogram picture, I would have had to take it, turn it off and stop for a little while. What was that one in his living room that has that really big wood stand that it's, looks like you couldn't even move it? It's just an old, like, uh, daguerreotype. Like one that you would use in a studio, I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah. Yeah. He's got nice stuff. He does, but and he, he was a professional. He photographer. leaves it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who is worse? Take the, better care of yourself. This woman's room, or that he has a film, an eight millimeter film that's just sitting there on stuff. I'm you like, can't see it, but Mark is kind of twitching right now. Put it in a canister, man. <laughs> <laughs> but he also has an attic. Covered in photos of a 19-year-old girl. Okay, I'm not that creepy. No, you're not. No, no. You have an interest in common. You're not a creep. They leave that. Okay, well, we'll get to that reveal because there's a problem with that reveal. I don't know where his dark room is. That's not the problem with that reveal. Okay. Okay. But so we next move on to the, oh, okay. There's going to be a parish hall meeting. Uh-huh. Uh, Parish Hall party. Uh-huh. Right? 40s dance night. Now, Sydney. Do you know about Sydney? No. Okay. Sydney threw up last time. Well, he doesn't spot when he spins. Yes. So he has to be <laughs> careful. I love that Jones kind of giggles at that and Tom's like, nope. Zip. <laughs> so they talk to the Elaine. Elaine and they go into the incredibly familiar parish kitchen yes but there's one thing that stands out in that kitchen that i have never seen in a parish hall kitchen what there's a fruit machine in the background oh yeah there is i noticed that too i'm like why is there a fruit machine there well and later when the dance is happening there the bar looks complete like it it there's taps and stuff tom buys a glass of wine and a beer and gets changed back for a five 
I know. That's quite the deal. That's super cheap. I don't care about the eight pounds cover to get in. That more than pays for that. How is it eight pounds cover to get in? (laughs) (laughs) This episode got under your skin, didn't it? I was like, oh. What did you think about Eric's computer? Okay. So first of all, I tried to figure out what application he was using. How would I try to figure out what application he was using? I thought it was Paint. Microsoft Paint. It wasn't Microsoft Paint because I went through every edition of Microsoft Paint (laughs) and Windows Photoshop since the beginning comparing the interface. (laughs) You are such a nerd. And what was it? Uh, I have no idea. You still don't know? Some crazy. It says pals at the end. So it's obviously some. Okay. They they have a software guy who created it. Yeah. So it's, it's not anything. No. So that they didn't have to pay a license to somebody. Yeah. It's just an interface. Those photos just. I'm sorry. I just kept going. I'm not this guy. I don't do that. But. Oh, gosh. Everything else is. I was waiting for him to masturbate. Oh, okay. She said it. (laughs) It looked like he was getting close to it. Oh, well, okay. So let's talk about this now. And why does he need to look at the photos in the computer when they're on every wall of that room? Okay. So he can zoom in. I'm a lech. No, you're not. And I have pictures of a teenage girl all over my room. Mm -hmm. When the cops show up, I'm like... Oh, it's over there. (laughs) He has no time to hide it. Why does he even have to say anything? Why can't he just say, oh, that room? Oh, that's this room here. No. Yeah. he. he, See, I don't think, ultimately, I don't think Eric is a bad person. I don't think he's a liar. I think think he's a fool. Do you think he he and her did anything more than pictures? No. I think. And I think she only took the pictures because he paid her. Yeah, I think so, too. No, I think, I think he's a fool, and he knows it, and, you know, he's kept it a secret this long. Whatever. You know, it's out now. Okay, so... What is up with Paul Bright, his booze, and his bullets? I don't know. He kind of rubs them on his face almost, and then points the gun at the camera. And just clicks. Yeah, the person who points the gun at the camera is never the killer. No, never. Never. And we, and we knew he wasn't. And he doesn't, no one gets shot. It's just weird. But he's clearly sort of prowling around. Like he, I think he wants to kill Laura if he sees her. I think, I think he definitely. If she wasn't already dead, I think he wanted to kill her. I think so. And he's kind of like self-soothing to fantasize about shooting her. Yeah, I think so. What is up with old ladies obsessed with dead brothers named Ralph? Oh Lord. Was everybody named Ralph in the second world war? I don't know. But this is the second old lady we've got who's obsessed with a dead brother named Ralph. Another dead brother named Ralph. Now, Rosemary doesn't have his body up in the bedroom on her second floor. No. But I'm not so sure that she wouldn't if he'd come back. So you're making a reference to episode, what is it? It's like three or, it's four, three or four with uh, uh, Anna Massey, who has the the brother. Brian Clapper episode. Yeah. Um, Oh, so it's episode two. It's uh, written in blood. Yes. Yeah. So it's Anna Massey yeah. plays the, the woman writing the family biography. Obsessed with her brother, Ralph. Yes. And Rosemary is also obsessed with her brother, Ralph. Rosemary seems amazingly positive at this point. Delusional. <laughs> yeah. But positive, I guess. Yes. She's hopeful. Okay. 
She doesn't have his corpse and a bed in her house that so we know of. Now comes the five to six minute set piece of the party. Oh, wait a minute. No, not yet. Yeah. What do we have to talk about for that? Oh, Richard and Francis have a picnic. Yes. And uh, the barkeep confronts Tony about being dumped by Laura. Yes, and the same people are in the pub. Yes. And then Tom and Joyce are just trying to have an evening out, and Cully shows up and goes, where are you going? What are you doing? Okay. None of your business. Okay. Get out. Before that. (laughs) Before Cully the third wheel. Gosh. Tom puts a glass on the counter and walks away. (laughs) What is up with you? (laughs) I have in my notes, Tom would never do that. (laughs) I didn't think he'd ever touch the door handle where a corpse had been found without gloves on either. Though he did that horrible dishwashing incident in that other episode. Yeah. Okay. But he, he sets half-filled glass of water on the counter. It's because he has other things on his mind. Well, having his daughter along as a third wheel is obviously... He invites her to go. Uh, Now, in that scene, when they're in the foyer of their house getting ready to leave, and you see Joyce dressed up for the first time, you see top and bottom cleavage. That dress is way low. And when you see her again, it's up. Yeah. Thank goodness. I'm like, Joyce! (laughs) There's a... There's a... Glass on the counter. (laughs) (laughs) Joyce, that is not appropriate for a 40s dance night. Okay, so Joyce is in the boob dress. Mm -hmm. Uh, Barnaby's in a shirt and tie. That hideous tie. What is that tie? It's like three times as wide as a tie and half as long. And Cully is in like bohemian wear. Yes. This is a fancy dress party. But clearly not everybody has a costume. I don't know. Most everybody. Where do those people get those uniforms? They're beautiful. Yeah, but most people don't have a 40s, you know, RAF uniform sitting around or or land girls uniform sitting around. Did you see 40s RAF hippie? Yes. 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 (laughs) But there there were some women who were just in tops and skirts and had their hair in victory rolls and they looked very nice. Yes. Joyce doesn't have the hair for victory rolls. No, she doesn't. So she can't do that. What is up with Tom's flowery tie? I don't know. If he was going for a a 40s look, uh, I I, I don't think the zoot suit tie was appropriate. You know who else is there? Jones. Jonesy on the make. In an ivory jacket. What is up with that jacket? And Jonesy is like, hey, hi, ladies. How you doing? Like, uh, I don't know. When he's dancing with that girl, she's clearly very young and he's showing her how to dance. No, but he's talking to those other two girls. Why shouldn't he? Are, are you Cully? Do you get to be jealous of him for no reason, too? <laughs> yes. Why is Cully jealous? I don't know. She totally is like, hmm. So she doesn't think that Tom and Joyce should have fun. She doesn't think Joy, that Jones should talk to girls. Yep. There's a Canadian flag. Yeah. We get very few references to Canada. I take them when I get them. Okay. There's a creepy old guy taking pictures. When Tony is not the creepiest guy in your village, there's something wrong. Yeah. Eric is gross. And we have a crooner. We have a crooner. Yes. She's actually credited as crooner. Yes. But she's Liza Pullman. So. Or it could uh, be Lisa. I don't know. My next note 
and I'm sorry I wrote this note. I feel bad about saying this note now because I said, <laughs> you're going to anyway. does she have blackmail material on the producers? Because she sings three songs. It's because she's a catch yes. to be in the episode. I didn't realize this. Liza Pullman or Lisa. I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong. Liza Pullman is a well-known singer in the UK. She's in a group called Fascinating Ada. That They're a cabaret group. They're very funny. I started watching them on YouTube. They're Ada th- like Ada Lovelace? Or? Yeah. Okay, cool. I don't know if it's a reference to Ada okay. Lovelace, but um, I fell into a rabbit hole. They're really funny. <laughs> so I think they featured her because people would go, oh, look, it's Lisa Pullman. She's yeah. in this episode. But I don't think that warrants three full songs. I think they had some space to fill. If I hear I'll be seeing you again anytime soon. This is the longest middle party fet type thing ever in a midsummer episode. But if we didn't have this party, we wouldn't have hokey cokey. Okay. The only other thing I want to get to before Hokey Cokey is another plus 14 thing, I think, when Tony says he's happy and horny. Yeah. I think that's the other reason why it's plus 14. Yeah. So. Now, Hokey Cokey. In the United States, we call it the Hokey Pokey. In Canada, we call it the Hokey Pokey. But it came from the UK. Okay. They own it. They can do what they want with it. It's wrong. Knees bend, arm stretch, rah, rah, rah. Yeah. Okay. There's no, that's what it's all about. Where is that's what it's all about? Okay. In Canada and the U.S., put your right foot in, take your right foot out, take your right foot in, shake it all about. about. Do you the do hokey, hokey pokey. You turn yourself you know, around. around. That's, that's what, what it's, it's all, all about. And that's what it's all about. That's it. It's not. The hokey cokey is about a lot, Mark. Wow. It has deep roots. Okay. It's an old Scottish folk song. That originates from the 1560s. Wow. Now, when it was way back then, it was called Hinkum Booby, (laughs) which I can't say without giggling. Yeah, you can't say that without giggling. (laughs) You do the Hinkum Booby, and that's what it's all about. (laughs) You got the Hinkum Boobies up in a tree. (laughs) Um, And, and, you know, we think of it as something that little kids do, right? And And it is. It teaches right and left. That's right. And coordination. And it's a social dance. It's always been done in a circle, facing one another, um, all that stuff. Well, Cully's happy now that they're doing it because Jones is not talking to other women. Yeah. But it's controversial. Oh, go. It's super controversial. Go on. So there was this belief among Catholics that the hands in, hands out, all of that stuff was actually a mockery of a Catholic mass. Oh. So much so that Catholic priests tried to get it banned. They said that um, the copies of the action and language of priests leading Latin masses and they claimed it has derisive overtones and they urged police to arrest anyone using the song, especially at soccer games, to taunt Catholics under legislation during, uh, designed to prevent incitement to religious hatred. In 2008, um, Rangers FC fans were banned from doing the hokey cokey at soccer games, football games, when they played against the Celtic team, yeah. which is a, a 
a team that has Catholic roots. Yes. Because they thought it, it was a mockery of Catholicism. I'm sure they were polite football fans and didn't make a mockery of that. I'm sure nobody flaunted that rule. <laughs> yes. No. Oh, my gosh. The headline for the story announcing that change, Hokey Cokey will land you in the pokey pokey. <laughs> Which I thought was great. Yes. I wanted to know, like, exactly where it came from because there's a lot of sort of conflicting stories about, oh, it's a Scottish song, it's an English song, you know, where did it really come from? And so I, I turned to... Um, Google Scholar yes. to look at all the sources that mention the Hokey Cokey. Yes. And what I've learned is not a definitive history of the Hokey Cokey, but rather that it is a all-powerful multi-use metaphor. Okay. The following phrases were mentioned in academic journals and important legislation. Okay. Economic Hokey Cokey. Okay. Political Hokey Cokey. Okay. Sustainability Hokey Cokey. Okay. Medical hokey cokey. <laughs> Space hokey cokey. Even asteroid hokey cokey. Wow. Glacier hokey cokey. Inflation hokey cokey. Radical British Bobby's hokey cokey. <laughs> Sexual hokey cokey. Hemoglobin hokey cokey. <laughs> and epidermal growth factor hokey cokey. So obviously it becomes a metaphor for any sort of you're in, you're out. You're Frivolous in. switcheroos. Yep. Yes. Yes. I, I think my favorite is the hemoglobin hokey cokey. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, it just, when you do the search, it just looks like it's just a, a wiki wacky term that people just throw in wherever they want to. Maybe Marissa. Inspired by the song, did the knifey hokey cokey. Yeah, you put your knife in, you take your knife, knife out, out, you put, put your, your knife, knife in. in. And she does twist it. Tw twist She's it doing the hokey pokey. She's twisting it all about. Yeah. You do the hokey cokey and then you pull your knife out, buried in the ground. Poor Tony. <laughs> I was so glad he was dead. <laughs> I was like, yay, Tony's dead. We don't have to hear him anymore. <laughs> That's Meanwhile, bad, I'm in sure. the background are all the Sacco guys and the guys with sticks going, we're out here again. You know what they needed was a metal detectorist. Yes. That's how they would have found that knife. They would have found the I knife. I thought that was a very smart way to get rid of a weapon. Yeah, bury it. Was Not dig a hole, just stab it into the ground and step on it. Yeah. Just bury it straight down. Yep. That's, it's clever. Yep. Guys with point, the white sticks wouldn't have found it. No. Here we have Francis being human. Mm -hmm. We see lots of disgruntled wives who are like, that's it. I'm off to London, you know, when their husbands are killed. The orchid lady. The, no, she talks about how when they first met, he was so yeah. fun. She does some great acting here. She was an airline stewardess and he was a pilot. Yep. And he was a good guy to be around. Yeah. And I'm, he probably was. Yeah. And then he hit that age where he felt like he had to prove himself and did stupid things and got fired from two jobs. Yep. And now she can't get rid of him. Yep. For some reason, every scene she's in, except for the dance, she has a semi-transparent white shirt that you can see her bra through and a black cardigan. Yes. Because that's Francis's uniform. Yes. Unless she's running or at the dance. Yep. She wears those white shirts. 
George gets his little line in. Yes. He's more of an expert in bodies now. Yes. <laughs> George is another one who's like, again? We have to go out there again? Martin Fendel, will you stop killing each other? In the same place. And now we get to see the attic room at Eric's. Now, no- I have a question about Laura. My note is creepy man is creepy and messy. Mm-hmm. Does Laura have a mullet? I think she does. It's mullet E. It definitely is. I, what I wish they had have done in this episode that they could have done in one scene and cut some of the party scene a bit was show us how charming Laura would have had to be mm-hmm. to be like this. Give us an example of what won so many people over. Yeah. Because right now, her most positive com- most positive trait is that she kisses people. And that she's gone. Yeah. So she's done hurting people. No. Did you think the voice on the telephone sounded like the voice from the doll on Murdoch? <laughs> so there's a Murdoch Mysteries episode where there's a talking doll. Yeah. There's meant to be a talking ball. It has an Edison... Uh, it's like a string pull kind of doll. Yeah. And it has a creepy voice. Her voice on the, it was that. Plus it was like totally. Can you save me, Murdoch? It was, yeah, it was totally that and totally David Lynch at the same time. Mm. It was very David Lynchy. Now, what struck me was it was clearly a piece together piece of dialogue because apparently Marissa knows how to like splice tape. Okay. <laughs> I have a whole half page notes on this. <laughs> of course you do. So <laughs> it's Mark's nerd corner. We are to believe that Marissa, who can't even the only thing Marissa is any good at in this episode is feeding things, dogs, feeding dogs and killing people. Mm-hmm. That's all she's good at. Mm-hmm. OK, so it is implied that a external recorder is used to record parts of a tape recording message. Okay, so... From the phone answering machine. From the phone answering machine. So the phone answering machine has a speaker. You put this little recording device up to it. Oh, no, that's not the impression I got. Oh. The impression I got is she took the tape out of the answering machine and spliced it. Yeah, she would have no f- clue as to where <laughs> that was. <laughs> What do you mean? They had little cassettes. Yes, they had little cassettes. But okay, when you look at that magnetic tape, you have no clue. No, you don't. You'd have to play it. Yes. And splice it. Yes. And play it and splice it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Every time it's spliced, it becomes less good. She could have used Eric's computer. <laughs> no. <the> computers <laughs> had a difficult time with this even mm-hmm. in 2006. So, yeah, I was like, that is not how any of that works. Well, it works well enough for her because she lures Carol out to the airfield and tries to choke her with a piece of chain. And when Carol leaves and Elaine is there to babysit, she walks past a sign that says, The Cottage! (laughs) What cottage? The Cottage. cottage. Where does she live again? Oh, at The Cottage. Wow, I was like, is that the Carol? No, 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 the cottage. Then all of a sudden, Rosemary's at the cop shop. No, I'm sorry, Marissa's at the cop shop. Did you wonder how they figured out it was her? The dog chain. Barnaby sees it and goes, ah, okay, it's her. Oh, I must have missed that. I must have been taking notes. Which Because I was like, 
What did they just rule everybody else out? They're either dead or not involved, so it must be Marissa. And then I remembered, no, Rosemary saw her. Rosemary saw her, but she also had the dog chain, which is, again, a stupid thing. Yes. She could have easily, her lawyer in court could have easily said, wasn't me that she saw, it was Tony yeah. who she saw. No, Tony was dead. Yeah, but she could have easily, yeah. like, the whole could have been anybody. The old lady's bonkers anyway. Yeah, like, she could have been got, Rosemary. She would have absolutely gotten off from this. Yeah. But no, she used a dog chain and is the stupidest move that she makes. If she'd use a choke chain, she would have killed her. She didn't even use the right kind of dog chain. Yeah. She used the, like, I think she uses it like a garrote, but. But it's just a chain leash. Oh, guess what the guys with white sticks and the constables have to do? <laughs> tape it off, poke around, take the tape down. And then she buries Laura next to the kennel. Okay. I she a, is a serial killer. I have a question. She's a spree killer, technically. Is, but burying Laura right next to her kennel is creepy to the max. Is this relationship she has with Laura... In her mind only. I think Laura led her on. Okay. Just like she led everybody on. Okay. Do you think Laura and her touched in a sexual way? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because that image may have eaten a hole in my brain. Like, that's only because you didn't do the aircraft accident research. That's true. If you'd like to look at some of it, it'll no, fix it. I'm okay. We can replace it. Because I, I think it's almost creepier that if they hadn't done anything. Like, Laura could be like, oh, you're so nice and, like, totally flirted with her. But if they hadn't done, like, I think their first kiss is when she kisses her in the van when she's dead. Oh, that moment was so gross. Yeah. Like, I was waiting for her to say, I wanted to keep her close to me. So she's in the guest bedroom. Did she also bring the hose to the... The car? She found it. Okay. She found it. She found the rags. Okay. No, she found it. Uh, there, She hit him in the head. There would have been blood everywhere. I would have thought there would have been at least been a, a spot of blood um, on the ground where she killed Laura. Where she, there would have been drag marks and stuff like that. Yeah, drag marks for sure. And all that dirt and dust. Yeah, and then when so. she stabs Tony, there should have been some a little bit of blood there too. I don't know. She stabbed him in the back, in the mm, lower back. Still. That's not a spurty place. The whole thing is kind of spurty. And he's got a shirt and jacket on. Yes, so that's that true. would contain it a bit. Audio doesn't work like that. Okay. Best corpse. No, wait a minute. Before we go to best corpse, I've got a couple of... Looks like a horrible movie, but Mark's seen it. Okay, hit me up. All right. So um, the first one, Felicity Dean is in. Yes. This is Francis. Now, we've seen Felicity Dean in lots of stuff. This is a 1979 movie. Okay. And um, I may just as well tell you what it's called because this, the little description I'll give you kind of gives the name away. Okay. It's called Son of Hitler. No. Peter I've... Cushing is in it. Oh, my gosh. When I... Stop the press. I need to go see this movie right now. It's a comedy. Right now. It's supposed to be a comedy. I don't know that it was ever actually released in theaters. Okay. It's kind of a cult classic because it's hard to find. Okay. The leader of a right-wing German political party discovers that an illiterate woodcarver is actually the son of Adolf Hitler. He kidnaps him from a mental institution and prepares him to start the Fourth Reich. Wow. Peter Cushing is the guy who kidnaps him. Peter um, Cushing plays a good Nazi. And Felicity Dean is like a secretary. Yeah. Huh. No, never seen it, never heard of it. One point for me. One point for you. Okay, the second one is a Danny Webb movie. Okay. 1987. Okay. There's more in your wheelhouse. Yes. Cocky 
Cockney snooker player. That's really hard to say. Wow, was that ever. Cocky Cockney snooker player Billy Kidd accepts the challenge of a grudge match from Maxwell Randall, known as the Green Bay's Vampire, six-time world champion. The loser will never play professional snooker again. I've never seen a snooker movie, so wow. It's called Billy the Kid and the Green Bay's Vampire. Okay, wow. I have to go see that movie like right and now. And Danny Webb is in it. Oh, that that's, Tony. that sounds fantastic. He's very young. Yeah. But he's in it. Not very young. He's like 25 or something. Yeah. I just, I, I was kind of hoping that the, the snooker player was actually a vampire. Yeah. He kind of looks like one, but I don't think he is a vampire. Uh, I think they just kind of dress him up like that's one. That's disappointing. <laughs> if you lose, I will suck your blood. <laughs> I will put your tits in a tree. Yeah. <laughs> one at a time. Because, you know, together, that's as ridiculous. As long as you're not inside out. Yes. <laughs> Best corpse. Ah! Nice corpse. Simon, Tony, or Laura? Okay, I'm going to be controversial here and first of all say I don't believe Tony is actually the body. Okay, we never we don't see his face. It don't could be anybody. So. so, he's immediately off my list. Okay. Okay. Laura, we barely see the body. Okay, so it's got to be Simon. I think you're underselling Simon, though. Simon is my best corpse, too, but he earned it. Oh, well, He's face down with his mouth open for minutes at a time yeah, and sometimes naked. Yeah, he is. He is. You're right. Like mouth open against the autopsy table. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And there's no drool puddle. Nope. None at all. He does a great job. He does. All right. After the credits... Francis is free. Francis has a good life. That's she, all he says. I think she and Richard go on a little trip together and have fun. They and probably eat really nice food. They and should drink wine and enjoy themselves. And uh, maybe they put Rosemary in a home where she'll be safe. Maybe. Do you think Elaine is Carol's new girlfriend? No. No, you don't think. Uh, no. Don't think Elaine plays for both sides of the team. Nope. There. I do not. Okay. I think uh, Elaine carries on with her dancing classes and plays matchmaker. Eric is creepy and gets away with it completely. I don't know. I think there's a little pressure on him now. After the the dance, Elaine confronts him yeah. at the bowls club. And she's like, I'm going to do something about this. I think he's creepy. McCreepers. And I think enough people saw him being creepy at the dance. He's not going to get away with it for very much longer. But the biggest loser are the dogs. Yeah. Somebody's going to have to take the dogs from the kennel. Yep. But I think there's a bigger loser. Who? The sailor at the dance. Oh. This Gets sailor. one dance with Cully and that's it. And Cully just, I can't dance with you anymore. I'm going to sit this one out. I'm going to sit this one out. He's a nice guy. <laughs> Poor Henry Pettigrew who played the sailor. You yep. were good. You did a good job. Yeah. And that is Dance with the Dead. You can find Midsummer Maniacs on all the social medias. Twitter, Instagram, and email. And also, Reddit. Reddit, yes. There was a whole discussion on Reddit this week about Cully going back to college. Cully needs to do something with herself. Yep. Besides swanning well, around being judgy. She's about to find a boyfriend pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're also on the Facebook groups for Midsummer and Acorn and uh, anywhere else there's Maniacs. Next time, we get to talk about American accents. Oh, I am from America. My God. First of all, I'll have to wear a fez for the next episode. <laughs> Second of all. Clapper's Ameri back. Clapper's back and American accents. Amer I am American. I am American. 
See you next time, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. Our master bathroom is so big that people before us had furniture in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's how stupid it is. <laughs> and luckily, it's got giant amounts of green shag carpeting. Well, that's our bedroom, not our yeah, bathroom. Not our bathroom. No, no, ba- no carpet in the bathroom. That's a rule.